You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 377. In this episode, I talk to Kirsten Stendivat about stepping up as a true leader in times of crisis. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today, I speak with Kirsten Stendivat. She is the founder of Illumina International Academy and specializes in 21st century leadership, helping entrepreneurs and change makers embody leadership. Kirsten is a popular speaker and has published seven books, some of which she has lectured about at Harvard Business School. Today, we speak about stepping up as a true leader in times of crisis. Before we dive in, let me remind you that this weekend we're doing the Life Bootcamp Create Your Recession Proof Offer, where you create the right offer for your ideal client in less than 48 hours. Don't miss out on this chance to walk away with a solid offer that your client actually wants to buy during these challenging times. There's still time to sign up. Go to the show notes at second.com forward slash 377 where you can find a link to sign up for the bootcamp, create your recession-proof offer, plus all the links to Kirsten Stendivat. I am so excited to be here with Kirsten Stendivat and talk about how you can step up as a leader, as a lighthouse leader in times of crisis. Welcome to the show, Kirsten. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. So... It's interesting how Kirsten and I met. It was shortly before a launch, one of our Samba launches. And one of my team members said, hey, I think I know someone who could be a potential affiliate. And then literally a few days before the webinar, or was it even a day before? Like it was really last, last minute. Normally we wouldn't do it, but we felt that our audience were very much aligned. So you interviewed me on your Facebook page, and that was kind of a start of our friendship. <laughs> it was so much fun, and my audience was so pleased to get to meet this uh, Nordic. I, I introduced you as the uh, James Bond of entrepreneurship, and they thought that was very exciting. <sighs> well, that was a wonderful start. It's a little bit you know, similar to uh, just how I create new projects. I was just... Uh, actually admiring one of my clients yesterday because he is going very slowly into a new project. And I said, that's great because that project deserves it. But uh, I often create something like fast and messy. <laughs> it's almost like my mantra. So that's how we met, fast and messy. <laughs> and now we're catching up. Yeah, but that's, I think that sometimes you just have to surf away when it's there. Yes. That's exactly it. And that's why we are talking here again today. We are still in the middle of the crisis. People have adjusted a bit to a new normal, but we're not out of the weaves yet. It's unsure how long that will all take. And this is really a time for some 
through leadership. But before we dive into that, Kirsten, we want to look a little bit at your background. Like, where do you come from and what did you do before you started to help people work on their leadership? Well, I come from Copenhagen, Denmark, but I have uh, spent most of my life or half of my life outside of Denmark in international environments. In Brussels, I lived 10 years in New York City, reporting to Scandinavian media about how to have it all, how to create businesses and lives where there wasn't such a high price. I was really looking at who's able to create a good deal for everybody involved. So I was reporting those kind of stories. And uh, when I came back to Denmark, I started writing books and giving talks and corporations about it. And then I was very interested in the feminine. Uh, so I created a, a goddess school. And that's not a sect. Uh, some people thought, is that, are, you, are, you, are you creating a new religion? No. I was just curious. I was looking for role models for feminine power. And as I couldn't find many in corporations and uh, in society, I, I went back to the archetypes the archetypal goddesses, you know, from Greece, from India. We have a lot of goddesses in in uh, history, so in mythology. And uh, we, we worked at the goddess school on exploring all these archetypes and, and what, it, what would the result be if we put the feminine foot first? So it was sort of the upside, we went like upside, like Fifi Longstocking, you know, like uh, turning the world upside down and discovered that when women put pleasure first, when they focus on lifting each other, when they really employ their feminine uh, skills, they can go so much faster with so much more pleasure and so much less work. So we really discovered that it's possible to achieve much more with much less when you use the feminine power appropriately in an appropriate balance with the masculine. And then I discovered that women, when they really took on their feminine power, they got immensely creative. And also their intuition got so sharp that they really were able to download ideas that were in alignment with the zeitgeist. So then I had to create an entrepreneurial school, which I call the millionaire school. Uh, where the purpose was to achieve more with less, so more money in less time, so that we could enjoy our families and our, you know, everything else at the same time. And then, um, so then I was very much into that. And then I had a big crisis in my life myself. So I was at the height of my success. I had just launched internationally. I had women from all over the world come to Copenhagen to participate in my family leadership trainings. And um, everything was going so well. And then uh, I had a very surprising experience that my six-year-old son uh, experienced symptoms uh, just for a week. It's a very short time, but uh, enough for me to take him to the hospital. And the hospital, they discovered that he had he had a tumor uh, going out from the left side of his pneumon, and that that kind of cancer that he had was not only highly aggressive, but also incurable. So uh, my life, uh, you know, that afternoon where we discovered that it was December 23rd, really, really turned upside down or, or just the scenery completely changed. You know, it was like sitting in a theater and then suddenly, you know, the floor rolls, everything, everything rolls and, the, and it's a completely new world. Mm. When was that? Well, that was in December 11. And uh, I spent the next six months. What year? 11. So that was in December 11. And I spent the next six months really running a marathon in sprint to save his life. And um, I actually managed to cure his incurable cancer. 
but um, the Danish hospital did not believe that it was possible to cure his incurable cancer. So they didn't want to help us with the side effects from the treatment. And so he died. The day after I thought he was cured, I was celebrating on Sunday that we managed to cure him and that everything was no sign of cancer anymore, the tumor had shrunk. There was only a small problem left that has nothing to do with the cancer, but with the treatment and the day after he dies. But the night he died, uh, and that's what leads me to leadership, the night he died, I could see I had two options. So if I followed the natural law of gravity, I would go down the drain and I would take my family with me, my business, all my clients with me. And I thought that's, that's not a perspective that I particularly enjoy. And I also thought it's too early for my other children to lose hope in life. I want them to believe in a happy ending. So, and I thought, well, they deserve a happy mother. And one son is in paradise. The two other sons need to be there too. The rest of us need to be in paradise too. So I took an important decision. And uh, I think this decision is really something I think about a lot these days with the corona crisis. I took one decision and that was to go up instead of down. So it was very irrational because I didn't know how to do it. But I just decided I'm going to go up instead of down. So my motto became, why go down when you can, can't go up? And that decision, I must admit, has really opened a whole new world for me because the ideas, inspirations, the context, everything that unfolded from there was a beautiful journey. I mean, it was extreme. It has been extremely painful. I'm not going to neglect that. Losing a child is, is so painful. I mean, I don't wish it upon anyone. Sometimes when I feel the pain, it's like I, I, I'm thinking if people knew how hurt, how much this hurts. But... I have learned to live with the pain in the sense that when it comes, I welcome it as a reminder how much I love my son and how beautiful it is that love is eternal. And then I have learned to be with it in such a manner that it doesn't paralyze me, but um, it, it sort of it has, has widened my perspectives. It has deepened my perspectives. I've gotten so much more tones in the heart. So it has actually opened a lot. And, and that has really been an immense gift to discover that when you decide to go up instead of down, there are ways to do it so that you actually become bigger and life becomes even more meaningful. And I, I must admit, I have never been better. In, in, not that I wish that he, that I think it's a gift that he died, but I just am surprised what's possible for us humans that even if we experience big tragedy, we don't have to go down. We are designed to do this. We can go up instead of down. And to answer your question, my business, I could not have the same messages as before, you know, achieve more with less. You know, it's like too lightheaded. So I spent, I spent three months in the, what I call the fertile void. And that is like everything was gone. It was my, it was my round zero. So I didn't know what to believe in. I didn't know what to teach. My, my, my clients actually fled from my business because it was too, it, they, they couldn't believe I could continue. But I had to, I'm an entrepreneur. I had to continue. I mean, I had to just spend all my money trying to save my son's life. And there's not an option for me to, to go on welfare. It's like that, that didn't, even, didn't even enter my mind. I just knew something great can come out of this. I just need to listen. So after three months, it came to me, why don't I write the book that I have wanted to write all, the, all along, like the argument for the power of yin. 
And then I asked uh, the most prestigious Danish business publisher because I really wanted that credibility from like a really hardcore business publisher. I asked them if they wanted the book and they said, we haven't taken a book about this topic in, in uh, 10 years, but we'll take that one. And so then that gave me like a rope to hold on to while I was walking up my mountain. And so I wrote the book called The Future is Feminine. And uh, it yet exists in Scandinavian languages only, but it's on its way in, uh, in English. It's going to come out in, in January 21. And um, it's about the, the seven dimensions of 21st century leadership that will take you and your business from great to extraordinary. And so that book talks about leadership and leading from the feminine, leadership based on the feminine model, which is a model where it's not power over, but power to lift. And I believe that's the new power that we all, regardless of gender, need to embrace now. So this all happened in 2011. You wrote the book. When did it come out first? Well, my son died in 12. And then uh, I had a few years where I was working on the book and healing my business, healing my children, healing my husband, healing my family, healing myself. Uh, so I've had, a, you know, seven years uphill where I've just, you know, my, I'm very proud. My business kept going. I kept inventing new brands that were in alignment where, where I was heading. And uh, the book came out in 16, October 16. And since I've been teaching uh, leadership training. I've been doing leadership training here in, in Denmark, and now I'm taking that internationally because I really think that the time is now really needs to happen now. Um, a new kind of leadership that is in alignment with the new rules of the game. Because let's face it, the game has changed. We can no longer lead with the rules of the 20th century. That is long gone, and the Corona crisis is just a crack, an opening, a pause, a window. Uh, that allows us to shift gears and to get in alignment with the new rules of the game. So in that sense, this crisis, is, it can be viewed as blessing. Of course, I mean, I, I really feel for the people who get ill and die, and that's terrible. But I believe in any kind of change, there are also sacrifices. And this is a big change. And maybe this is the change we've all been waiting for, or maybe this is the only way it could happen, like a big halt, big pause, big fertile void, and then reflection and new action in alignment with the new rules of the game. Because leadership is not often discussed on this podcast, although we use it every day. How do you define leadership? What does it mean to you? It's not leadership in the formal sense of somebody giving you a business card where it says you are now the leader of this and this. I believe that's the old-fashioned leadership. Leadership for me is about looking around in the landscape and spotting a need that is unfulfilled and then stepping in and fulfilling that need if you feel called to do so. So you fulfill a need that other people don't fulfill in that particular way. I fulfill a need that other people don't fulfill in that particular way. I always wrote the books that I missed on the shelves. I always recreated the course that I wanted to attend. And that is for me leadership. So it's creating what you, what you think is missing, what, what you think that there's a need for this. I can feel... A need for this and it's unfulfilled, let me create it. So entrepreneurs are great leaders of the new. I love entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship is create creativity, is creating the new reality. And so I find that that entrepreneurship is a new politics. Business is a new politics. We cannot wait for politicians. I mean, they're they're so busy discussing this, that, and the other and their next election and so on. While they're doing that, we are creating the new reality. 
much faster and much more efficient. And we can, we can shape it in alignment with our values, which is the beautiful thing. So do you think going through such a personal traumatic crisis yourself now almost uh, nine years ago, has that helped you prepare for what's going on right now? Absolutely. I mean, I was very happy that I'd spent 10 years teaching leadership before my own crisis. But so when that happened, I felt that I, my muscles were very in very good shape. So it was natural for me to take leadership. It was not an option for me to become a victim. Absolutely not an option. I mean, I didn't even want people to feel sorry for me. I was like, on some level, I think my soul has chosen this, so I can do this. And um, since I have um, kept taking leadership, but in a much more, you know, with vulnerability, uh, that, that, that was the new thing that came into my life. This, this uh, humility that you cannot always control circumstances. You cannot always control what, what's happening to you. I don't believe in this American thing where they say, there's nothing you can't be, do, or have. Because I believe that we are also a part of the bigger picture. And uh, even though we can, we can shape the future with our creativity and uh, with our talents and our will, there's a certain point where the will stops and life is bigger. So it has created a lot of uh, humility. But, but I do believe that when a crisis come, like this comes, I'm like, you know, just roll up the sleeves. This is like, this is not scary for me at all. This is just an opportunity and I'm looking for the opportunities and then I'm looking for the blessings and I'm looking for the possibility for upgrades, not only for myself, but for everyone around me and for the world. And I think it's an amazing opportunity. I mean, when the crisis just occurred, I mean, my first initial reaction was euphoria. Wow, this is what we've been waiting for. An opportunity to make a huge shift of consciousness. You know, Einstein said we cannot solve a problem on the same level as it was created. Of course not. So this is an opportunity to shift, but we do need to take this opportunity. We do really need to step up now to a different level of, of consciousness. And that's what I've been spending the past eight years doing, amping up, amping up. I mean, you have no idea how much inner work I've done. It's, it's outrageous. I mean, I don't know anybody who's been that extreme. You know, I've, I've looked up near-death experiences to understand. I've, I've traveled here and there and far. I've studied with enlightened masters. I've gone berserk to understand death, to understand uh, how death can be an expansion, to get to stay connected to my son, to develop my intuition, and also to create a business that really serves, that can really take people higher, faster. And that's what I experience now, that the benefit is that the people in my programs, they transform very fast because they enter a field of consciousness that has already been created and that is already vibrating high. So when they step in, they just It's like an elevator to just get to that level fast. So that's beautiful. And that means that the, the people I had in my leadership training now, they, they go out and do amazing things. They go out and change the world. They change, you know, if they're in corporate lives, they, they become change makers inside their corporations. And if they're entrepreneurs, they create amazing new uh, services that just alters the mindset and the, the way it alters the consciousness, you know, alters, you know, clears up in the old. Many of them do stuff like clearing up the past, releasing trauma and stuff like that. And many of them create, create the new way of thinking. So it's, it's beautiful. So when you talk about stepping up as a leader, not everyone sees themselves as a leader because also the word leader, and that's why I asked before about leadership, it's 
has a very very corporate tone to it. And not everyone is still like accepting I'm a leader or how can I step up as a leader? So you explained it well in terms of being creative, but we've seen leaders emerge in this crisis. We have seen some heads of states being true leaders, showing also the human side versus what's needed of a president and others just running aloud like a headless chicken. <laughs> not willing to take leadership or completely failing. Okay, we're obviously not talking to presidents of, uh, you know, heads of states here in this podcast episode, maybe, uh, but mainly, you know, entrepreneurs, online entrepreneurs. And what can they do? H how do you see this happening for the individual who not necessarily sees themselves as a leader? Well, when I talk about illuminary leadership, I talk about leading from the light within. So it's a very different process than, than, than leading because you have a title. And what we see, the big difference uh, with the leaders, we see how they lead crisis today. We can see some people leading from fear, and that's the old leadership, and that's what's obsolete. And you see some people leading from trust, from, from faith, from, from love, from compassion, and that's the new kind of leadership. And it is a transition also for entrepreneurs to shift paradigm because, of course, as entrepreneurs, the first thing that hits us is fear. What's going to happen with our business? I mean, for me, it was like, I mean, nobody trusted that I could actually lead courses when I just lost my son. And I thought I just became a much better mentor. But, uh, and, and of course, in a crisis like this, the first thing that happens is people think, oh, who's going to buy my stuff now? Because now everything is halting. So the first thing that hits is fear. And that's, there's, that, that's not a problem. Fear is not a problem. It's the stimuli. You know, it's like, a, it's, it's, it's a warning sign. We need to take care. We need to pay attention now. We need to listen closely. But what happens when we, when we get stuck in fear is that we get to take very bad decisions that are fear-based. And that's what we need to be very, take an inner leadership for choosing, choosing to trust, choosing to look for the light, choosing to listen to our inner calling, what really wants to happen now. So a crisis like this can be a cause for immense innovation because if you really listen to, if you really listen to what, what, what do I really want? Like my crisis brought me in touch with what I'm really here to do, which is about leadership, a new kind of leadership, and creating communities around leadership with, with balance between masculine and feminine energies. So it brought me completely on track with my soul purpose. And that's the opportunity we all have now. So for entrepreneurs, I would say there is an immense opportunity to align your business so that it, you're really aligned with your soul purpose. So that you're really aligned with what you're here to do, not just creating a business with something, something. That is a very good training. But now get really on track, repurpose so that you're really on track with what you, you know, the dream you have always longed to do, something that has been calling you for a long time. This is the time to do it because this is, the time is ready for it. Everything has crumbled anyway. So we, so we need to build the new. So now listen closely and have the courage to act upon what you hear. Mm. So basically you're saying go within and figure out, like you said, this book that you had been longing to write and you took the opportunity of your personal crisis, uh, of, your, of the trauma to kind of say, okay, life is not getting any longer. Like if I don't take the action on writing this book now, I may never do it. 
Well, what I said was, uh, what can I still believe in? My world had crumbled. What do I still believe in? And I, I, I believed in two things. The power of the feminine, because it's the power of the feminine that takes us through a crisis. Yes, action is good, but what really takes us through a crisis is relationships, is network, is, is other people's support, is, is the healing, it's the listening, it's, it's getting in touch with the bigger picture. That's what's truly healing. Action, action, action is not truly healing. It's, it can produce results, but if you really want to be happy and peaceful on the inside, you need to employ your feminine muscle. So I thought the feminine, the power of the feminine, and that is actually proven. What takes people through crisis is the power of, 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 of relationships and listening within. The, the other thing that I, that, that I still believed in was leadership because I could see leadership was what gave me a good life before the crisis. Leadership was what gave my son the best time, I mean, the, the best way of being ill that he could have asked for. He was so well during most of his own time. And leadership was what gave him a beautiful death now that he had to die. And leadership was what made my family, myself and my family, go up instead of down from this crisis. So... I still believe in leadership and, and that's what I, that is my mantra. But not mindless leadership, leadership from the light within. We have so much, so many resources that we have not used. We have only used our mental resources, but we have an immense power of the heart. We have immense power of the spirit. We have physical intelligence. We have energetic intelligence. We have collective intelligence. When we get together and help each other, we get access to so much more intelligence than we could have had on our own. And now it's the time to use all those resources. For me, leadership is also about being proactive. When I see leaders fail, like the ones that are official leaders, uh, is when there's complacency and, you know, reacting versus proacting. What, what do you think about that? Absolutely. One of my rules of the game, you know, I have these seven rules and one of them is being proactive to step forward and, and do what needs to be done to take responsibility, you know, not to say, well, it's not my fault and I don't know what, and no, take responsibilities. Think in which way am I 100% responsible for experiencing this? And how can I take some initiatives and be constructive and take initiatives that not only lift myself, but also the people around me? That for me is leadership. Of course, proactive. I mean, reactivity is a miserable place to be because you're just like the victim of circumstances of, or the victim of other people's decisions. And that's the paradigm we came from. That was the hierarchies, the pyramids, where we were just little ants in a big pyramid. No, now, now it's the opposite. Now all, the, all of us have the opportunity to help uh, co-create and reshape and, and rebuild and innovate. And it's, it's an amazing time because from, from the underground, from the floor up, we can actually help create a new reality. So the entrepreneurs are, the most, are such important ingredients in society right now. And I really urge entrepreneurs to listen closely to what wants to happen. You know, in leadership theory, there's this uh, theory you Otto Sharma, he's talking about, you know, how we sometimes need to let go of all the old and then stand in the, what I call the fertile void, in the, in the nowhere, in the ground zero, and then listen to the future, not creating from the past, but listen to the future, what wants to happen, and then have the, uh, the courage to act on that. And that's what creates the new. So we are the pioneers of change. So you talked about having seven mantras, and you said proactivity was one of them. Now I'm curious. 
Which are the others? Yes, uh, I have this whole leadership uh, model. It's a diamond, and um, it's shaped like the diamond. And and we start in the in the east with uh, the most foundational principle, which is balance between the yin and the yang, balance between uh, the two foundational essences in the world. So that's the masculine and feminine energies. And I mean, this sounds very banal, but if this, if we understood this, we, our society wouldn't be as unbalanced as it is. So we need to get back to that uh, balance and really value the masculine and feminine energies equally and see how there's a synergy between them and how we create that synergy. For entrepreneurs, this is very important because if they if we master this, we can create flow instead of working so hard to receive, uh, to create results. Then the, the second principle is about polarity, uh, about um, making friends with difference, um, difference between the sexes, and seeing the, the advantages of the, the feminine design and the advantages of the masculine design, but also knowing that every, anybody at all times has access to all archetypes, both all of the masculine and all of the feminine. So a woman who's very feminine can can also at any time employ her action gear or her dis- decisiveness or uh, her uh, protecting, creating frames around her work so that it doesn't, her, so her ideas just don't flow out and become a big delta. You know, she, and a woman can all the time do that, but she can also be vulnerable and soft and compassionate. And so we have access to it all. And I think this broadens our, our resources when we think like that. Uh, and are aware of that. Then there's a, there's a dimension called authenticity, that there's something unique about all of us. And now is the time to be that piece of the puzzle that's missing. You know, in a big piece, in a big puzzle, if there's a thousand, that thousand pieces, you know, just one missing is actually ruining the picture, right? So you have to, to find out what is yours and put it there. So that's being authentic mm, and listening to your heart. I think that's the new GPS for the new era. It's the heart, not the head. Then there's productivity. So now that you know all this, you have all these resources, you know how to balance your foundation, what are you going to do with it? So be proactive. Go and take an initiative that will lead others. And then how are you going to do that? So uh, it's uh, so easy to sit on the stands and talk about what other people should do. But now that you're in the court, it's about walking your talk. So now let, let us see you demonstrate living your values. And I think that we, integrity is a really, really huge New, uh, new thing to be aware of because we live in a very transparent world. So if you don't do what you say, it's very obvious. And I think that the clients can smell it. So integrity, I always tell my entrepreneurial students, eat your own medicine. What do you recommend to your students? Do it yourself. Because um, that's the most powerful, shining example. That's how you become a lighthouse. So then how are you going to navigate? Well, we live in a time with information overload. It's very, very difficult to... Um, find your way, you know, just, I mean, just in your own field, 10 new reports are coming out every single day. So you need a different navigational tool. And that's why I train people in using their intuition so that they can hear, distinguish uh, what's what and what is information and what is inspiration and what is inspiration in alignment with what wants to happen. So leading from the future. And then finally, the final uh, dimension is totality to have wholeness. So that's about using all of yourself, having wholeness in your life so that you don't, for example, the old way of being an entrepreneur is that you work 80 hours a week at the detriment of your family. I think that's the old fashioned way. I think especially as women, it doesn't work for a hormonal system and makes us unhappy about what we missed uh, in our family lives. So I think the new way is to 
to create synergy between work and life. So you use you are the same at work and at home, and you you make things work together so that you actually, it actually makes you more creative and less stressed. And then you work for the whole. I think that the new the new way of of leading and being an entrepreneur is to serve the whole. So how can you contribute to the whole? The old way was like I do my thing, I earn my money, but it doesn't matter if I ruin the environment or unethical that doesn't work anymore you need to serve the whole and everybody's needed in that we're all in the same boat it's about to go down so everybody needs to grab whatever they can and help us get to uh to an upgrade for humanity so what do you see happening because you say this is an opportunity what is what is your hope that happens i hope it will make us learn from the past so the old business usually has halted. So let's look back and say, what about business as usual didn't work? What do we don't, don't we want to take into the future? So for example, an overload of stress, an overload of really creating success at the detriment of our health, of our families, of our relationships, or maybe not acting on our dreams. That could also be something we look back and say, I didn't act on my dreams or I didn't really fully go for it. I was too afraid. Should I really put that into the future? Or maybe it could be, you know, if you talk entrepreneurship, I didn't, I never dared investing in myself. I always thought, well, manana, manana, but maybe, you know, now's the time to, to take yourself seriously because you are needed in the new. So we need to look back and say what didn't work in the old and, and, and for sure what didn't work was that, you know, that we thought in terms of separation, that we, we didn't think in terms of wholeness. So everybody did their own thing, but didn't really look at how it affected the whole. And we need to look at that now because we have seen we're all in the same boat. You know, one little virus in China on a market and the whole world is, uh, half of the population of the world is now at home. Well, it also happened because of lack of leadership, because there were people who detected the virus, but uh, they didn't step up to share that information. You know, like you said, transparency and authenticity has partly, the lack of transparency and lack of authenticity and lack of leadership has caused this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so we, we, we need to learn from that as well and say, wow, this, this lack of integrity, like not telling the truth, not warning other people and, you know, not caring enough about other people, being ashamed about what happened and not sharing it, that doesn't work because that can really, really be so harmful to so many people and lead to so many more deaths. So learning from the past and then evaluating what do we want to bring into the future. And we know that we have 10 years to accomplish the 17 world goals. So now it's an opportunity to adjust our businesses and our lives so that we can actually accomplish that goal. And, and a pause is excellent for that. A pause is a time for reflection. So we see a lot of good things coming out of it already that we see, well, it's actually possible to work from home and be more with your family without it really being a big problem. Uh, we actually save a lot of money in, in, uh, in flight expenses. We can actually accomplish a lot online. That's great for the online entrepreneurs because they've been training all along to do this. Yeah. It's the best time to be an online entrepreneur right now, but it's also a time to really step up for those who haven't. You know, myself, I would say, yes, I was stepping up before, but somehow this crisis has actually brought more leadership in me personally forward 
doing things that I didn't do before in my business. So yeah, I think it's a chance for everyone to show their true colors because everyone can be a leader. Absolutely, yeah. And I feel that we are all uh, urged to serve. So we see a, a huge, I usually say the future just suddenly became more femin feminine because people are reaching out, they're offering, they're serving, they're thinking, how can I help? And that is a beautiful attitude in the world. How can I help? Because the more you give, the more you receive. It's a natural law. You feel like, you feel like giving something to people who, who, who are generous. So it's a very good attitude for entrepreneurs as well. And we are seeing a lot of connection, new connections, people reaching out, people uh, sort of voting for the light and, and bringing out uplifting messages and, and meditating together and sending love to the earth and sending love to all the ill ones. And, you know, we're suddenly seeing a huge global community acting together. And we didn't see that before. We lived in separate units where... Denmark took care of itself, England took care of itself. We, we were separate and everybody took mostly care of themselves. But now we see a more collective. And the, the fact that you and I sit here and have a conversation is part of that. You know, Jennifer said, can you help? Yeah, of course. Of course. It's just, it's a wonderful thing to help. It's a wonderful thing to contribute and, and interact and collaborate. And I think we'll see that much, much more now because we've seen, wow, we live in a global village. And if we help each other, it's a much more pleasant place to live. For all. That is a beautiful last sentence, <laughs> Kirsten, of a wonderful conversation about leadership. What is the best way for people to find out more about you and your programs and your book? It's difficult to remember my name, right? KirstenStandabout.com. So I've created, uh, I've actually created a free, free little series called TheCrisisWindow.com. And that's where I teach people how to make the most of this, uh, is this crisis. I give people the best tips and tricks that I used. And also I interviewed um, a lot of uh, inspiring people who uh, they're among them entrepreneurs who talk about a new way of leading businesses and what we can learn. So I put together like this little series and that's my service uh, in this era to uh, how we can go from crisis to quantum leap because I, I think we have an amazing opportunity right now that uh, we really should use. Beautiful. We'll, uh, of course, link that all up in the show notes that people can just click on there. So, Kirsten, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This will not be the last one. I know we'll stay in touch. I talk to you again very soon. Thank you so much. I loved being here. Thank you for your amazing work and your leadership in the world. I so appreciate it. Go to the show notes at signal.com forward slash 377, where you can find a link to sign up for the bootcamp, create your recession-proof offer, plus all the links to Kirsten Stendivat. Thank you for listening to The Signal Show. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your Insta story or Instagram post using my handle signal.com and the hashtag signal show. See you in the next episode.